0: Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing, we cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine, how long? <laughs> you have a
1: great show of a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle.
0: Charbonneau! It's all about the Charbonneau, dude! Succulent fish! What? We ate two feet before we ate. So listen, shut face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have
2: top men working on it right now. <laughs>
0: top And just like that, we are in the second hour. Welcome aboard. It's the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about live fire items that are of high, extremely high importance, bigly importance. If you are just tuning into the show, you've missed the first hour. And while the despair and devastation might be setting in, I'm going to tell you just to hold on one second before you get all mixed up into that nonsense. I'm recording as well. You can subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show's podcast feed. So if you miss some live show segments or you miss some live shows for weeks in a row, don't feel despair. Don't feel personal shame. Feel like you should subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show podcast feed where you can hear every show in its entirety. Always and forever. It never goes away. It lives on the Internet forever and ever. Amen. Still coming up on this show this evening, Jose Marchen from the Food Network and the Holiday Baking Championship. Jose made it into the final show last night, and we'll talk about the results of that. We'll also get the full background, what he's doing now, how he's leveraging Food Network fame, all of this fun stuff. So be sure to check that out. And closing the show at 35 past... The first ever full-time barbecue editor in the country, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. And we'll be talking about the passing of John Miller. And we'll also be talking about how the top, uh, even like the top 10 of the Texas Monthly barbecue list has fared since being named on that top 10. Have they met demand? Have they been able to accommodate the lines that maybe they never had before that now they're having to contend with all that fun stuff? So that will be Daniel Vaughn as we get ready to close the show this evening. Don't forget, if you want to jump on this evening and talk to me over on Clubhouse, easiest way to get in on the show, just sign up for a Clubhouse account and then find me, follow me, see the show go live, and away you go. And lastly, you can get an ad-free podcast feed through the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Show. Or if you're an Apple Podcast user, you can subscribe to the ad-free experience right there in the show by clicking on the banner, and away you go. You get it however you want to get it. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, episode 208. Friends, has John Solberg put together a Christmas present the likes you have rarely seen taking you back all the way back To the initial release and live singing, (laughs) you know. Now that I come to think about it, one of the things that this show has become known for, perhaps as a sideline item, is a lot of live singing happens on this show, and it has for years and years. I don't even remember. Is it 2011 that this song came out? The Twelve Days. Of Barbecue Christmas will be in your podcast feed Friday, Christmas Eve, getting you into the Christmas spirit in only the best way that the Barbecue Central show knows how to get its live fire friends in its fun and frivolous Christmas Eve mindset, if we can say it in that way. Now, you know the 12 days of Christmas. Whatever. Forget about all that. The 12 days of barbecue Christmas is something magical. Something that if you've never heard, could change your life. Could bring a new perspective, not only on Christmas caroling, but on the live fire industry itself. Where you will hear a much younger me and a much younger all of my daughters singing our hearts out live in our old Euclid house. The 12 Days of Barbecue Christmas and this of course is where I give thanks and praise and reverence to the team called Hot Grill on Grill Action. Logan Hendrickson and Pizziola de Pizziolas, Matt Frampton, both from Hot Grill on Grill Action. I believe those two were the uh, co-songwriters, if you will. They penned the lyrics, sent them to me. We rehearsed A number of times between me and my daughters at that point, all leading up to that Tuesday show and the live release version of the 12 Days of Barbecue Christmas. It was a night few of us forget. It's emblazoned in your brain as soon as you hear it. It is very catchy. Some would call it EDM, even before EDM was popular, as far as the music bed was concerned, because there were some potential copyright issues if you know what I mean. So we found a 12 days of Christmas safe bed to use so we wouldn't get dinged on YouTube or brought to court by whoever the hell wrote the 12 days of Christmas originally. And the boys over at Hot Grill on Grill Action did an incredible job putting those lyrics together. And we, for a live production, and again, this is like 11 years ago. So my oldest was 11 and then younger from there, my, my youngest was five or six. And these girls hang with me right through all 12. We only made one error. I think at day 11, I, I screwed up or day 10. But it was happening live right there. So if you've never heard the 12 Days of Barbecue Christmas, you're going to get it in the podcast feed this coming Friday. And it will be, if it's your first time, it's going to be life-changing. You'll probably be singing it. All Christmas Eve, as you're wrapping presents, you'll probably bust it out and play it for whoever you're celebrating with, husband, wife, whatever you're into. You're going to be playing it for them, and they're probably going to love it too. And then you're going to be singing it together, and you're going to be singing it on Christmas Day, and all of a sudden it's infectious, just like it is each and every year. So if you've never heard it, you'll hear it for the first time Friday. If you've always heard it since 2011, when we released it, if that was the year we did, maybe it was longer than that. You're going to hear it again, and you're going to love it again, and it's going to be great. However, you do have to be subscribed to the podcast feed in order to get The Best Moments show. Don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or segment again that's been lost in the archives or one that just rattles around in your head is wanting to hear it in this kind of a format, email the executive producer of The Best Moments show, John Solberg, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com. Tell him exactly what you would like to know or here, and then he will do his best to meet your expectation. Last week, or two weeks ago, we were talking about stocks in the grill world. We were talking about Traeger's eagerly anticipated IPO launch back in August, I believe it was, or end of July. It was a race for Traeger and Weber to get to public. Traeger went out first. They went, I think it was low to mid 20s to start. It crested at just below 33 and at last check let me see where we're at today. Uh, Traeger is at $12.35 a share. So they're $21 off the high. That's a lot by the way. That's That's a lot of money to lose. Like a third. Or two thirds that two-thirds? Yeah. No. But whatever. It's a lot. We can say that. I'm no mathematician. I am. But I'm, I'm a little off my game right now. It's, a, it's like a third. So, and then uh, Weber is probably not too far behind, uh, above or below the 1235. But they never crested into the 30s or even maybe middle 20s for a hot second. But they've been floating right around the same thing. You know, there's a company called Middleby. And I will go ahead and say that this is the biggest grill company or live fire company that nobody knows about. You ever heard of Middleby? If you're a fan of the show, somewhere in the April timeframe, we have the founder of Evo Grills on. That big flat top the same the cooking guy uses all the time. Evo was bought by Middleby. They also own Viking. They also own Lynx these are super high end grills and then as I had mentioned a couple weeks ago Middleby also just acquired Masterbuilt and Kamado Joe cookers so that would easily add some kind of product portfolio to the lower end no disrespect but when you can uh, when you compare Masterbuilt and Kamado Joe to Lynx and Viking and Evo I mean those are really upper echelon cooking implements just for point of reference if Traeger is trading at less than $13 a share, Middleby's stock as of today was trading at $188.48 a share. That's a solid stock right there. Hopefully you got in when it was 20 bucks. Hopefully you got in when it was where Traeger is now at sub-13, $188.48 a share. That's big. That is a, uh, is a successful live fire public company. We'll talk more about that next week. We have Jose Marchand in the green room, and we'll get to him here in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers. Designing and building all of their products right here in the States, building pride through craftsmanship and world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. This approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke style product that elevates gatherings With friends and family, they're honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet grills to wood-fired offset pits and charcoal cookers, consistent blue-ribbon flavor has become synonymous with the Yoder Smokers name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smokers flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit, and the team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted and the handmade products and defines the integrity of the core values. American-made quality, endless flavor. Those are the benchmarks of Yoder Smokers. Visit them online, yodersmokers.com. That's yodersmokers.com. Grab yours today. All right, we'll be back with Jose right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
1: Jim Rohn, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show.
0: And we are back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker. Pit Barrel Cooker is one of the most unique cooking devices out there, currently available in three sizes, with a host of accessories to complete your Pit Barrel Cooking experience. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com to check out all the cookers and accessories and make sure you tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you Gang, many weeks ago my wife and I were watching the Food Network and all of a sudden I realized I'm watching a holiday baking championship and we all know I'm not a huge fan of these competition style shows however, I was sucked in because one of the contestants was from right here in Sea town baby and he made it all the way to the final episode so i had to reach out and see if he was interested in coming on the show to talk about it and as luck would have it he was available and kind of excited to do it so we raced to the hotline and welcome in one of the final four contestants of season 8 of Food Network's Holiday Baking Championship Jose Marchand joining me Jose how are you
3: Hey good night how's it going
0: I am absolutely stoked to have you on Jose and uh, while i didn't watch it live Last night, because the Browns were playing and I was getting my heart pulled (laughs) out of my chest. It seems like within 24 hours, I had my heart pulled out of my chest watching the Browns. And then as I was catching up with the uh, championship show on Food Network uh, just a handful of hours ago, my heart is ripped back out again. We'll get into all of that (laughs) stuff here in just a second. But for the folks that maybe aren't watching uh, the holiday championship cooking show that the Food Network was airing here over the last handful of weeks... Uh, if you could give us a little background about yourself, uh, where you're at personally and what you do professionally.
3: Um, yeah, so I am a pastry chef. I was born and raised in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and I've been in Cleveland, a Cleveland resident for the last four years of my life.
0: Um, did you go from you know, like- San Juan to Cleveland or were you somewhere in between?
3: no um someone to cleveland all right um yeah just looking for opportunities well i came um because it was when hurricane maria hit on 2017 mm-hmm. and everybody was going to tampa and <laughs> i didn't want to go to florida so i had a friend that she still lives here so i came to Cleveland.
0: Did she tell you, Jose, come to Cleveland uh, between New York City and Chicago, Cleveland is a food destination across the nation? Did she pip it up as being any kind of a a culinary scene here?
3: Uh, No, not at all. But literally everyone was going to Florida.
0: (laughs) Just because it was uh, like the closest thing?
3: Yeah. And that's the natural jump that usually people do from the island or New York. Um, but I needed, you know, I needed like a chance anywhere sooner than later. So she was already here. She, you know, she was doing pretty okay. So I came to try and for you. latest here I am
0: before we get into pastry chefing and and what you're into here, and then obviously how you eventually get onto the show. When I hear somebody's a pastry chef, my mind goes to, well, this is somebody that was reared in a house where you know the mom or the dad or perhaps uh, the grandparents or all of them uh, bring the kids into the house, and, and baking is like a, an ultimate family thing. That could be a completely incorrect assumption on my part, but for some reason in my heart, I, I need to feel like that's a thing that's happening. As you look back on your childhood, and you're not really a, an old guy by any stretch of the imagination. I think you're like mid twenties or whatever. What did it? What do you recall from growing up? And was was my want to press your family bringing you into the into the kitchen and teaching you how to bake something that really happened or not so much?
3: Um, not necessarily baking. Um, it was yes for cooking. It was really like food obviously has a big impact in, in, almost everybody's life, but in, in not like a culture, like food is, is the culture, mm-hmm. like food revolves. Our life revolves, um, around food, but I do remember always my mom, you know, having a cake box mix for me and my siblings birthday, um, and my aunt, I have an aunt that she used to make big cakes for different activities, and that's my my earliest memory. It's my earliest memory of somebody baking at home. Um, but so yeah, um, it wasn't my mom. I mean, yeah, she did those cake box boxes, but she she can bake. <laughs> Um but yeah yes for cooking so that was that pulled me into you know well maybe I want to be a chef. Um before just before going to college, my mom used to work evenings. So after school I was the one that was cooking for my siblings. Hmm. And I thought that it was a good idea <laughs> to become a chef.
0: So do you go to College, college, or do you immediately go to a culinary school once you're able to do that?
3: Um, yeah, back home, there is this big college that has a culinary department. And so, yeah, I have a bachelor's degree in culinary management.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the show. Uh, this was season eight, I believe, of uh, the Food Network's Holiday Baking Championship. And uh, for anybody that's not familiar with this style of show, there's a bunch of you as contestants, and each week you're put through the paces of having to make this or that, and maybe they're going to be throwing in some kind of a of a weird side thing as one of the events <laughs> comes to an end, just to throw you off the game. Ultimately, somebody's eliminated, and you know you pare down week after week after week until you get to a final episode. Um, we've seen a lot of barbecue shows in this kind of uh, vein as well here over the last any number of years, maybe even 10 years. So uh, we're certainly familiar with it. Have you always been a fan of this show? Have you seen it in seasons past and been like, Hey, I'm a guy that fancies myself uh, some kind of a pastry chef or a baker. I think I could do fairly well on a show like this and I'm going to give it a shot or, or, or not.
3: Yes, yes. I definitely grew up on the Food Network and I grew up watching this show specifically. Mm. I I'm huge fans of the holidays. So this particular um, edition of, of the show, because they have spring and Halloween. Um, the holiday one always was like my favorite. Um, and also I never thought anything about it. But on season six, at the time, at the place that I was working at the time, my um, my boss was a contestant, hmm. and I was like, "Hmm." And so it's as I started getting like it 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 hit it close to home. Like maybe if it made it real, you know, like if this person that I actually know is there. I don't know, maybe there's a chance or a possibility that I might be able to do it too.
0: Jose Marchand joining me here on the show. If you want to follow him on Instagram, it's jsm.pastry. You can give him a follow there and see not only some pictures of Jose, but some tasty treats as well. So were you contacted (laughs) directly to be on a show like this? Or um, perhaps did you lean off of the experience of your... A former boss to like look on websites, or was there some kind of a cattle call to originally apply? How did you find out about
3: it? Um, I was invited through LinkedIn and Instagram in <laughs> 2020, and first of all, I thought it was gonna you know fishy <laughs> but yeah Look, I got to tell you on
0: There was a huge barbecue show on Netflix it was a competition style show and when I I had three or four of the contestants on and I said how did you how were you originally approached or you know did they reach out to you and the, all of them said yeah they reached out to us through DM on Instagram and they were all yeah. like we thought this was a fish or really weird or odd and a lot of them thought about just putting it to spam and uh, I would think the same thing. It's weird that they're contacting you through such a, let's say, informal way, no?
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was very, very odd, especially because there's, there's a lot of people on Instagram. But I also got the same type of messaging on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is, is a more serious yep. um, platform. So long story short, 2020, I got I saw all these messages and these quote unquote invitations and I asked permission first at my job and they gave me evasives, no straight answers, so I just let it pass. Um come early 2021 and I get the same by a different casting person, casting producer, invited again. And I was like, what are the chances that this keep happening? (laughs) Like, again, I had, like, I worked with someone who did it, got invited last year, again this year. So I took the chance. I decided to say yes. And once I was cast is when I let my job know that, Mm. hey, this is happening. I am doing this. I'm going to take the chance because I was also... You know, looking for for what is the next step, what is the next thing for me. Yeah. In the kitchen, like all the time, I needed to do something new and this was it.
0: When you're going through that interview process, and I've heard it through a number of different variations on the barbecue side, but I assume it's any number of different interviews and maybe they're doing some kind of a psych assessment to make sure that they're not getting anybody kooky to be mixed up with all the other contestants. (laughs) Do they tell you also, oh, by the way, or or when do they tell you, uh, if you make it onto the show, you need to allot for X amount of time to be off? Because like you said, I'm sure a lot of these folks have jobs and maybe not every employer is going to be amenable to saying, oh, yeah, take four weeks or six weeks off and chase this TV thing down.
3: Yeah, since very early on, they tell you, um, well, we might thinking that you can be part of this, are you sure you have available from from this time to this day to this day? Um, just so you can arrange with your job. They let you know very early on in the, in the quote-unquote casting process. Mm-hmm. So, because that's a big part, like you need to be available. And they ask you the same question again and again. They even just email you randomly. Hey, just make sure that you that you're still available from this day to this day. ta-da-da-da-da.
0: so how much time yeah. was it? Um, three weeks. Three weeks. Okay, so not terrible, I guess, but still almost a month. Yeah. <laughs> um. And the employer, whole- the employer's good with that, or did you quit- did you have to quit the job you were at? <laughs> no, I
3: didn't have to quit. Um, but I had to. It wasn't this situation of, well, you're not going to be here, so you need to make sure that we have everything. You just need to make sure that we don't feel your absence. Mm. So, you know, leave them packed with bread, ice creams, desserts,
0: all that. When you are on set and you show up for the first day, are any of the other contestants anybody that you've ever met or hung around with or know, or is everybody perfect strangers?
3: Not at all all strangers, hmm. all of them from different corners of this
0: country. Did you vibe with anybody immediately
3: Um yeah, Richard is very, very friendly, like the way he see it on on t v that's the way he is. Well, all of them that's who they are, but he's very very magnetic, very happy, very positive. so immediately I was drawn to him, and Jennifer at the beginning she seemed super sweet, super quiet and I gravitate to people like that. Mm.
0: Through the weeks as you're getting through it and you know you're making it I don't know uh, if you're allowed to talk about cuz we're seeing it different like we're seeing a whole finished product so as we're seeing it every Monday how much of what we're seeing is left on the cutting room floor, or, or how much are we not seeing that's left on the cutting room floor that you see like things that maybe they don't seem are worthwhile or just extraneous stuff? Uh, was there a lot of stuff that left on the floor where you were like, Oh, I can't believe they wouldn't have put that in, or I can't believe they didn't put this in?
3: Yes, there's a lot that people don't get to see. <laughs> um, at the beginning. Most, or in general, what I noticed is that most of the bad stuff is not, doesn't make it into TV because it's a family show, it's Christmas, so it needs to be very jolly and positive. Um, The judges are very positive in general, but sometimes there's some bad critiques and most of them don't make it into into. TV.
0: Uh, I was gonna say, when you're sitting up there, and you know they leave some stuff in. It doesn't seem like it's too edgy, but as you're saying, the the edgy stuff probably gets cut out. What's it like to take critiques from these judges?
3: It's very surreal um, having people that you grew up admiring or just watching TV in general, like being like being just in a room with with them knowing that they're real and in my experience for the most part telling me that i am good at what i do it was crazy like it was great um also telling me that my flan sucked (laughs) <laughs> to them was horrible like dude i was i was like this is this is it like this is my time i'm gonna make them plan Puerto Rican plan this is gonna be it and it totally backfired but you know it makes for a better story from my point of view but it's, it was it was great like Duffy very technical Carla is always you know flavor, flavor. She's always looking for the flavor. And then Nancy, you know, between the booze and the holiday she's gonna be happy. If you don't give if you don't give her one of those, you're gonna hear it. You're gonna hear about it.
0: You make it to the final show. Uh, you end up going head to head with Sabrina um, after that first challenge and she ends up knocking you out. Obviously you want to win the whole thing, but as you take stock of the whole experience, uh, something you'd do again if they asked you to do it or it was once enough?
3: Oh, I'll definitely go again.
0: It's it's it's
3: I this is I don't know, I feel like culinary and to me, it's I can do this for a living. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like I went home in the correct moment. Holiday was like decorating was my my struggle, quote unquote, my struggle throughout the whole competition. And I feel, I personally feel like Sabrina did an amazing job and she could have done an amazing job, a better job than what I could have done in the final. And yeah, I definitely do it again. It was, it was intense, but it was great.
0: Jose, are you able to leverage this now that people are seeing it and uh, perhaps you're getting a little bit more notoriety or being recognized on the street? Are you able to leverage this into any kind of career springboard to any degree? Can you
3: repeat the question,
0: please? Yeah. Are you, having been on the show, have you been able to figure out a way to leverage the show into making that next career step? Are you able to springboard off of this at all?
3: Not yet, <laughs> not yet, but yeah, definitely bunch of more followers. A lot of people asking me for where or how can they try my my, my pastries, my art. So it's
0: getting there. So how does a Cleveland based guy or gal uh, get to try Jose stuff? Do you take calls and like set up caterings or what's the deal? By the way, I live in Cleveland, you know? Holla. <laughs> yeah, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm in Parma, but I work downtown. Um, yeah, I have a, like, a cake page or even my personal page. Just if I'm available for whatever time you need and you need a cake or a cheesecake or whatever it is. I've done not a lot, but a couple weddings, a couple dessert bars <laughs> um, i'm here for that and i'm here to you know get myself known but also make your pastry dreams come true
0: <laughs> so what i'm hearing is if i invite you over to willoughby and i take care of the barbecue maybe we're going to be getting some pineapple upside down cake as some dessert or something along these lines that's what i'm hearing
3: that would be great. <laughs> like uh barbecue pineapple salsa yeah. with some cake and caramel sauce. The best. For sure.
0: No doubt. Uh we are talking with Jose. You saw him on the Food Network during the holiday baking championship, making to the final show this past or just yesterday on Monday. And you can find him on Instagram, JSM dot pastry. Give him a follow over there. Jose, really appreciate. A, getting to know you, glad we could connect, and I'm going to definitely invite you out here so we can do some barbecue and baking collab stuff, no doubt about it, but really appreciate you sharing the story and continued success.
3: Thank you so much for having me here. It was great.
0: You got it. There he is, Jose Marchand from Parma, which is the biggest suburb of Cleveland, if you didn't know that. And he is looking to take the next step after having a great showing over on the Holiday Baking Championship, which just ended last night. So we thank him once again, his Instagram. If you want to give him a follow, jsm.pastry. That's jsm.pastry. Daniel Vaughn is in the green room. We'll get to him next. I will talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. Two different lines to choose from. A choice line and a prime line. Prime line is somebody that likes app connections and Wi-Fi capabilities and internal meat probes. A little bit more of a sturdy build on the chassis. Things like this. If you don't care about that, choice line's just fine. The uh, Daniel Boone size is the one that they're offering right now. Both lines will accommodate the pizza of an insert, so make sure you grab one of those for the high-heat pizza that everybody's digging right now. Uh, If you are still into tailgate mode as the playoffs are coming in for NFL, we're going to have bowl games for college football. The Trek Grill is the one you're going to take. Totally portable, fits in the back of most trucks, vanes, and SUVs, plugs into the 12-volt outlet in the car, and away you go. And it's pellet-fired goodness, so you get all that wood smoke. And it's very easy to use. You don't sacrifice a ton of capacity for quality. So, uh, or a ton of capacity for portability. That's what I meant to say. Uh, Green Mountain Grills sold through dealer only. So go to GreenMountainGrills.com. Find a dealer near you. Go to the dealer. Get educated. Buy the best one for you. And you will have success as you get it home. No buyer's remorse. No returns. Nothing along those lines. And there you go, GreenMountainGrills.com. We're back with Daniel Vaughn right after this. Stick around. Be right back.
1: You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere, The Barbecue Central Show. Celebrating over 10 years, a prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.
0: Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield and smithfield.com. If you're looking for grilling tips and tricks, head on over to smithfield.com or you can get advice from folks like Chris Lilly and Ernest Cervantes and Darren Worth, just to name a few. Also, be sure to check out SmokinWithSmithfield.com to see what 2022 has in store for committed cooks and potentially a Smithfield grant program again. But we'll see how that rolls out as 2022 rolls in here over the next week and a half or so. But once again, that's Smithfield.com. My last guest this evening is the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Magazine, and you see him right here quarterly for visits on the Barbecue Central show We race back to the hotline and welcome back friend of show, Daniel Vaughn. Hey, Daniel. Hey, how's it going? I am fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show. And we have a a big topic to talk about this evening. You know, uh, it it seems weird to say that we've seen a lot of people passing away here over the last number of months because uh, really... In the grand scheme of things, and I hate to break it to everybody, uh, nobody's getting out alive, as we know. Uh, We are uh, all on a time clock, but it seems over the last uh, six or seven weeks or so, Bill Arnold had passed away from Blues Hog, and a couple weeks after that, uh, we had Robert McGee from, uh, well, competition-wise, Munchin Hogs at the Hilton, but obviously well-known for Q39, uh, his barbecue establishment out there in Kansas City. And then uh, just a couple days ago, John Miller from of Texas barbecue fame has uh, passed away as well. And you wrote a a really uh, nice and uh, in-depth article about John and I guess I would like to start with this. I don't just want to assume that everybody has the the high level name drops and and wherewithal that I would have uh, just because of people that I know and conversations that I've had. So, can you give us a, a bit of a backstory on John and why he's significant not only to Texas barbecue but perhaps a barbecue in general?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, as you mentioned, you know we we have lost a lot of greats uh, here recently. Uh, John being one of them. Uh, but maybe you're right. If you're outside of Texas, uh, maybe you don't even recognize the Miller name uh, Louis Miller barbecue in Taylor Texas is uh, one of the most uh, hallowed barbecue joints in all of Texas and that's where John started out uh, working with his father Bobby and they worked together for a long time uh, but in 2000 uh, John decided to move on um, he um, you know I think it's a, a move that that he regretted uh, moving on um, instead of You know, staying at Louis Miller Barbecue with his father. But uh, at the time, he really wanted to branch out on his own. And uh, if he ever met John, you know, he's kind of a hard headed guy. So he stuck with that decision uh, for the rest of his life. And, you know, he moved out to Austin, uh, where at the time in 2001, when he first opened John Miller's Barbecue, uh, Austin was not much of a barbecue destination. I mean, there were some there were some of the old school names you might recognize, but if you were going to Austin for a barbecue tour, it's because you were getting your hotel room there, so you could drive to Lockhart, uh, to Luling, to, to uh, you know, um, and really out to Taylor to see Louie Miller barbecue. It wasn't because you were going to Austin to eat the barbecue.
0: Well, that seems and, weird to uh, say uh, out loud at this point. Like, yeah, I know Austin yeah, wasn't that was a just, barbecue place, right? And that's only uh, right. you know twenty years ago.
2: Right. Yeah, we're talking 20 years ago, where, um, you know, now Austin is one of the most, I think, uh, well known barbecue cities in America. And, and back then, it it just wasn't. And so the fact that john decided to move there and bring like old school Central Texas style barbecue to the big city. um, This was also, you know, before barbecue itself was all that popular in a lot of the big cities in Texas. Um, before really notable barbecue joints and and really famous barbecue joints were opening in Houston and Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, um, you know, it wasn't like Austin was all alone in this as a big city without really just incredible barbecue. So when John moved there and opened up, um, it really was a, a big change for Austin. And it you know, it was the first place that really made Austin barbecue, I think, um, I think notable, like outside of uh, maybe outside of just Austin itself. <laughs> and he did that twice. <laughs> um, he, he left there uh, after five years, he had made the top 50 barbecue list for uh, Texas monthly, you know, the magazine I work for. So I'm going to mention Texas monthly a, a few times in this, but um Five years later, it closed down and he was gone for a while, just sort of off the map. Um, there, he had opened a couple of barbecue joints here and there and some other small towns, but for the most part, he was off the map. He had actually gone to Amarillo to manage a steakhouse, which if you knew John, the idea of him managing other people um, is as you're, yeah, laughable. Exactly. It is laughable. Uh, and so in 2011, uh, or in 2010, he actually started sending out sort of cryptic messages to uh, some of the food writers out there, myself included, that he was on his way back to Texas, and that uh, or on his way back to Austin, and that he was going to open another barbecue joint. And so in 2011, opened Jay Miller Barbecue. And uh, as I wrote in my piece, you know he was certainly well known for John Miller's barbecue, but J Miller barbecue is the one that made him uh famous one who made him a much more recognizable name around the country. And that's because Anthony Bourdain came to visit. Hmm. So at the, at the time, uh, 2012, uh, when Bourdain came to visit, um, uh, John Miller and Aaron Franklin had both made it onto the cover of Texas Monthly together. Uh, and It was a joint article about the two of them and their rise in, in barbecue in Austin and their really competition amongst one another. And it was this like, it it wasn't all that vicious of a competition. Uh, I think the two of them realized that, um, having, having the other really helped uh, bolster the reputation of Austin as a barbecue town and the fact that Anthony Bourdain came to visit and went to both places and then featured both of them on his uh on his no reservation show uh, i think proves them right and you know he uh, bourdain certainly praised franklin's brisket but he said that uh if there's uh, if there's another uh, beef rib that's any better than than John Miller's, like he he doesn't think that's possible, <laughs> um, and that's what John was really known for was that beef rib. Uh, he was also known for being a hothead, um, being this kind of mercurial figure in Texas barbecue, and as bright as that place shone, it only lasted for a year. He had gone into business with his sister, Leanne, who uh, now owns La Barbecue and runs La Barbecue uh, with her wife, Allie. And Allie uh, actually learned barbecue with John hmm. at J. Miller Barbecue. Uh, but Leanne, uh, there's there, there's some differing stories out there. But uh, basically, there were some financial disagreements between her and John. And so she fired him. And uh, they had since made up. Um, before his passing, but she fired him, uh, brought in John Lewis, essentially, who had been working with John Miller for about three weeks at the time, I think, and uh, named John Lewis as the pit master and changed the name of the place to La Barbecue. So again, John was out um, out of the barbecue business, but it didn't last long, opened up uh, John Miller Meat Company in Austin. Uh, that place made the Texas Monthly Top 50 um, only lasted three years, onto another place that lasted even less time, and you know, it and on to the next, and on to the next, and on to the next. Um, but every time he was, every time he left the scene, he almost thought for sure he was gone for good, that he had just burned too many bridges. And then by the fourth or fifth time, you're like, okay, he's never going away. Like, this man is just, he's, he's the Phoenix, he's built, he's. <laughs> He is. He's a phoenix. He's built to cook barbecue and that's all he knows how to do. And that's all he's going to do for the rest of his life. And and that's the way it panned out.
0: As you get to know him and you learn his stories and would you speculate that he had it both good and bad in the fact that he is, you know, lineaged into one of the most historic barbecue restaurants in Texas. So... In, in a way, you could say, well, he had all this skill. He could have stayed at uh, Louis Miller and could have made it his own. Kept the traditions, but you know, expanded it and however yeah. he wanted to do it because it's in his family, but he makes the decision to leave. And then from there, it, does it, it never goes past five years. He's also lauded. He makes the Texas Monthly Top 50 twice. I don't know how many people have ever done that with two different businesses. Maybe nobody. And it just never seems to to get on track uh, is there is it always off track for him is he just somebody that was um like just not happy with where he was at uh, or or always unhappy with where he was at or was it some internal drive that forced him to go here yeah. and then go there what do you think
2: well i mean i'm i'm no uh i'm no psychologist but um <clears throat> In, you know, as someone who knew John, there was a pattern, and the pattern was open a new place, um, work hard to to make it great, um, have fun doing it, and then as soon as you're recognized, sort of uh, shrink back because of the expectations that are now brought on uh, because it's highly lauded and, and people are showing up and, and lining up and have expectations of of really great barbecue, uh, consistently great barbecue. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't know if this is, this is how it actually worked out for him, but just from the outside looking in, it looked like he would really sabotage the situation, Hmm. uh, to try and sort of slough off all those, uh, expectations. And, you know, I do think he also struggled in between the, The being the man and the barbecue cook of John Miller versus being the character of John Miller, like this this sort of grumpy curmudgeon that people almost expected to show up and get yelled at or um, get in an argument with. And, you know, it's not like he was like that with everyone. Uh, And so I think there are some people who showed up like expecting to be able to have their John Miller blow up story. (laughs) And so I, I think part of that, he struggled with some of that as
0: well. Do you think if he would have stayed uh, with the sister and the split never would have happened that this would have been one of the biggest – I mean, the barbecue on its own is is a force to be reckoned with in the Texas barbecue scene. But if they would have stayed together and <coughs> gone on together, could it have been the pinnacle barbecue joint in Texas?
2: Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, they lasted a year, right? So I, I don't know how how much longevity there was going to be there. But there seems um, to be a lot
0: of talent in that. But, family, but hold on, right? hold on. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, <laughs> but if you think about it, like the fact that John left, uh, Louis Miller and Leanne also had her opportunity to run it as well. She um, pursued another career at the time, but came back to Austin and um you know got into the barbecue business with her brother with her brother John now if they had just both of them stayed at louis miller we would be, you know, without so many great places. I mean, mm-hmm. we would have not had J. Miller Barbecue, Law Barbecue, John Miller Meat Company. Uh, you know, maybe John Lewis doesn't move on to to run Law Barbecue and then on to Lewis Barbecue in Charleston. Esau uh, Ramos, who runs 2M Smokehouse in San Antonio, who learned from John Lewis at Law Barbecue. Um, uh, you you got Dylan Taylor, who worked at La Barbecue and uh, then went on to open up Goldie's in Fort Worth. I mean, the the lineage that comes out of these hmm. places is is really vast. And so, you know, I don't know how many of those would have occurred if they had just stayed at Louis Miller Barbecue.
0: Good point. We're talking with Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly TMBBQ.com. This is his website. And if you want to go there and read the piece that he wrote on John Miller, certainly worth your read. And getting a little bit more history on him and uh, what he means to Texas barbecue. Uh, Well, we have a couple minutes left here, Daniel. Uh, Last time you were on, we obviously talked about the release of the latest Texas Monthly Barbecue list. My question tonight is, as we were talking about the release, we also talked about what will some of these folks be in for as they now manage a line, a line every day, a line for a number of weeks, and is the quality of the food... Getting them to that rank going to also reign supreme now that their names are going to be known and going to be out there. So, uh, a couple months removed, how are you seeing that meet expectation?
2: Well, I mean, there was a whole lot of talk about how are these some of these newer places so high up on the list when the list came out from people who hadn't eaten there. Uh, One of the things that I have not seen is a lot of people who have gone to eat there, maybe for the, many of them for the first time uh, since the list came out, are not complaining about the food that they've been given. And, and I'm, I'm talking about places like Goldie's in yeah. Fort Worth, it was our number one place, Interstellar Barbecue. Um, and uh, Interstellar Barbecue in Austin, Truth Barbecue in Houston. There were a whole lot of people that already knew how great their barbecue was. But Leroy and Lewis in Austin, another place that a lot of folks might not have known, and Burnt Bean Co. in Seguin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just haven't seen too many complaints about the meals that people have been having, uh, and I haven't really been seeing complaints about the long lines. Now, there are long lines. I mean the f- after, after Goldie's opened, you know the the first day that they were open after the list came out, they had to tell everybody to stop at ten a.m. Like, don't come. We are sold out. We've gone down the line. We've, you know, we've we've checked all our orders, and uh, we are we are already sold out of barbecue. But they've really ramped up their the amount of barbecue they've been cooking. I don't know how. The number of briskets. I don't know how that compares exactly, but I do know that they were burning through three cords of wood a month, and now they're burning through three cords of wood a week. Wow! Um, so they are cooking a whole lot more barbecue and running um, running a whole lot more smokers, and you know, still doing it with when uh, <laughs> putting out really great barbecue. Uh, Mikey Chen is this big YouTube. Uh, he's a big food guy on YouTube. And his uh, on his channel, I mean, he's got like three and a half million uh, subscribers on his channel and uh, he had moved to the DFW area pretty recently and he he goes to a whole bunch of different types of restaurants, but he's been focusing on some of the barbecue joints and went out to Goldie's uh, recently and, and posted just a glowing review mm-hmm. of all of the food that he ate and so. I think by and large, these places are really up to the challenge and they haven't really changed the way they've been cooking, maybe changed the amount, but they haven't been changing the way they're cooking or the sort of attention they pay to the food they're cooking. So I think, uh, yeah, it's it's looking up if you're looking to schedule your road trip for a Texas barbecue tour.
0: Ordering wise, is it? Do these places demand that you show up and wait in line or are they also doing a fair percentage of online orders or or I don't know if you call it takeout or curbside or whatever, but are they doing a lot of that too? Uh,
2: I know that Goldie's um, is not, so they do have uh, whole briskets and whole turkey breasts um, on sale right now if you want to come pick them up on Thursday. Um, So that might be the easiest way to to jump on that with a a pre-order of that. but. Yeah, you know, I haven't actually checked. I know that Interstellar to begin with had turned off their pre-ordering system um, at least when the list first came out. I'm not sure if they still have that off or not. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at all these places. So, uh, But I, I do know that, that there are a number of them that had pre-ordering systems that just uh, paused them for a time.
0: Uh, last two questions before I let you go tonight. and always appreciate the time. Uh, what do you think the biggest barbecue story of 2021 was and what are your what's your one big prediction for 2022 if you have it
2: mm, wow the biggest story for 2021 um now you just got me thinking trends i mean birria tacos uh, <laughs> <laughs> i remember those everywhere <laughs> yeah but uh yeah I, I don't know biggest story um sorry you've got me stumped there I, I don't think that was in the questions you asked to begin with. Are you uh,
0: uh, are you predicting anything for next year? You want to go on on a limb. for What am anything? I
2: predicting? I mean, I hope. Uh, I hope that the article I release early in the year, um, asking Kansas City if they're sort of ready to to step up to the plate and uh, improve the. Overall, help to improve the barbecue scene of a, of a once regal barbecue city. Um, that, that maybe that'll kick Kansas City into action. And we'll see a, uh, a resurgence of uh, attention being paid by some of the old school spots to putting out really high quality barbecue on a consistent basis.
0: Uh, you can find Daniel Vaughn over at Texas Monthly. TMBBQ.com is the website. You can also interact with him on the Twitter at BBQ Snob, and you can find him once a quarter right here on this show talking about Texas barbecue and barbecue in general. Daniel, always appreciate the time. I wish you and your family a great holiday season and happy new year, and we'll look for you again in a quarter from now.
2: Yes. Well, uh, and you know, Merry Christmas to you and I hope next time we talk we can talk about uh maybe the, the playoffs uh the playoff season uh for the Browns. I mean it's not looking great right now. <laughs> They're
0: five hundred. They have no chance. Give me a break. That's I don't it.
2: I don't think they have no chance. They're not mathematically eliminated.
0: I think we have a better but, shot of talking about the Cavs making the playoffs and the Browns making the playoffs. And who's <laughs> who thought that was going to be the topic of conversation as those two years started? Nobody.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. That was that was a heartbreaker <sighs> um, yesterday.
0: Oh, it was brutal. brutal. Brutal.
2: Yes. Almost pulled it out with. Uh, yeah. Was that even a quarterback? Was that a real quarterback? Third string. I don't even know.
0: Third string, fourth string, <laughs> practice squad guy that signed off the street. I mean, it was it was hard to watch for a half. It was kind of exciting at the end. It was like, oh, my God, we're going to pull it out with two minutes, and then all of a sudden defense should let you down, and you kick a last-second field goal. You know, my wife said uh, after they called the timeout and the guy just made it in, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. maybe this will chill him out and he's going to shank it to the left. She's like, ah, it'll probably go right through the middle this time. Right through the middle and knife in the heart. There you go. <laughs> Sign on your merry way to 7-7. Seven and seven. But What are you going to do? I mean, well, this a is lot, the hand a lot
2: can happen in three games. A I lot hope. can happen in three games.
0: I hope. We need a lot of losing by a lot of other teams in the division, so we'll see how that goes. And maybe we will be talking right. about playoffs. Let's hope.
2: All right. Good to talk to you. There
0: he is, Daniel Vaughn right there. From Texas Monthly, tmbbq.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at bbqsnob. He is happy to interact, no doubt. And we'll see about the Browns making the playoffs. Again, I will maintain that the Cavs all of a sudden have better statistical odds at making a playoff. They're fifth in the league, I think, right now in power rank. Gang, let me talk to you quickly about do wellness and David Leans. Did you know that people who set a goal four to six weeks before the new year ends are three to ten times likely? Yes, ten times more likely to achieve their fitness goals. Now, I know we're a little tight on time, but be honest. How long has losing a few pounds been on your to-do list? Now, we listen to the show because we love barbecue. We love making it a habit of getting second and third and fourth servings because, well, it's delicious and we're fat, fat. But what effect has this had and an activity level, it's not what it used to be, had on your health over the last handful of years? Maybe you've heard that having a dad bod was cool. Well, look, take it from a stud like me. There's nothing sexy about wearing your gluttony everywhere you go. Not to mention being overweight increases all the risks of mortality, including strokes, cancers, coronary artery disease, sleep apnea, the list goes on. Making the decision to change decades-old food habits can mean the difference between you attaining your health goals versus dealing with unknown health challenges that you and your family will have to face down the line. Luckily, thanks to my new pal and friend of the show, Backyard Barbecue Enthusiast, and men's health and wellness coach, David McDowell, you can now eat barbecue all year round and still lose the fat. With David, you have got an assistant around the clock. He's just a text message, an iMessage, a WhatsApp message, or an email away. He's also available to FaceTime, Zoom, WhatsApp, video, chat, whenever you need help, even on short notice. Some coaches charge upward of $500 a month for can canned diet plan, one to two check-ins per month. Poppycock. Partnering with David allows you to access a resource who is available effectively 24-7. Things have gone so well here over the last few weeks. We've got a few more. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. Now, we can just relax here a little bit. Get to where we're going. I see what we're doing. I'm sorry, David. Stand by. Stand by. Here we go. Now, partnering with David allows you access to a resource who's available effectively 24-7. Things have gone so well. He's offering special promotions for the barbecue central lights. Not for 500 a month, not 400, not 300, not even 200. You can finally, permanently lose all the weight you want and fat, fat in 2022 for only 2,300 in total. Gang, don't wait. Get on this right now so you're ready to win with your health in 2022. It's David's personal guarantee to you that if you're honest and you make the effort, you'll succeed in losing the fat. And if you don't, he'll refund the money 100%. No questions asked. Ready to go? Hit the website, davidleans.com slash bbq to sign up. That's davidleans.com slash bbq to sign up. You can do it right now or go to the main website. Hit on the David Leans icon. you will take you right there. You can sign up for the discount, the barbecue discount. $2,300 for the year. Get on with it. And now we will close the show. Stick around. We'll be right back.
1: All packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpey.
0: All right, we are back, and this portion of the show being brought to you by Vortec Watch at VortecWatches.com, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company. They take American made pocket watches just like this one and turn them into wristwatches just like this one. You see the front, and then you can see the guts behind the back. They have exhibition case backs, serial numbers, all that fun stuff. And remember, as I told you before, this originally was a pocket watch. It's been saved. Now you can use it every day as a wristwatch, where it can be used as a watch. America wasn't assembled, it was built. That's their motto. And oh, by the way, a little breaking news here. They just won the appeal from the Swatch Group that was suing them. They are now free and clear. Swatch Group says they are not going to file a... They are not! Andrew, you
1: are not (laughs) the
0: They are not going to file another appeal and drag it out to a six-year-long lawsuit. That Vortic has been embroiled in with Swatch Group, which now owns Hamilton Watch. Uh, that was originally the lawsuit that was over a Hamilton watch. It's done for. So now they can just focus on making great pocket watches into wrist watches. Hopefully, I'm getting mine here soon. Can't wait to show it to you and tell you the whole story behind that. And away you go. It's VorticWatch.com. Check out their watch of the day. They go very quickly. Everything's sold out right now. So please stay keen. Sign up for the newsletter. All the way back in the first hour, we did a little bit of a recap on 2021. We got through February. Did we get through March, too? I think February. And then Bobby Rempe stopped in for a one-week recap on the big hip surgery that happened. So we thank her for joining. Second hour, we were joined by first-time guest Jose Marchant from Parma, Ohio, the biggest suburb of Cleveland. He was on the Food Network's a Holiday Baking Championship Challenge. Made it all the way to the end, the final show, but didn't win, but that's all right. Made it to the finals. We have winners on this show. And we talked about what he's going to be doing and hoping to use that as a springboard to the next portion of his career. And I believe we made a date where I'm going to give him barbecue and he's going to give me sweet. I'm winning. And we closed it out with Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly Barbecue editor, talking about John Miller. And then we also talked about how the top 10 of Texas Monthly are doing it. Uh, Dave's Got Beer never stop the Twitch stream it comes in flawlessly the Facebook and YouTube feeds always seem to stutter great show Greg thank you for weighing in Dave's Got Beer have a beer on me Dave. a big show planned for you next week embedded correspondents are in we may or may not have a Robert Moss sighting we may or may not have a Derek Riches sighting we'll see how that goes so stay tuned for that could be a lot more embedded correspondence than you're used to but that's a good thing plus a number of other things as we get ready for the new year. So how do I always leave you? September 11, 2001, I will never forget. I hope you have a great Christmas. If you're celebrating that, this coming Saturday. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central.